Hello, I'm Robert Bateman and this is the Privacy Corner where I talk you through my top three picks for privacy stories every week. And thank you to Privado AI, as always, for sponsoring these videos. So this week, are you a controller if you ask someone to develop an app that collects personal data, but you never sign a contract and you actually tell them to stop making it? Should you be punished if the app developer violates the GDPR? Uh, there's a case in the CGEU about that, which we'll be having a look at. Meta is in court again uh, from a $600 million lawsuit that blends privacy and competition arguments in quite an interesting way. And Apple and Google are reportedly passing data to governments about their users' push notifications. An interesting case there. So first off, this CJEU case. So it's about the Lithuanian Health Ministry, known as the NVSC. And in around March 2020, somebody claiming to be a representative of the NVSC told a mobile developer called ITSS that it had been selected to develop a COVID-19 contact tracing app. Who remembers those? Uh, so the NVSC and the company ITSS exchanged some emails and the NVSC advised ITSS on what the app should do and what data it should collect. And the two parties drew up a confidentiality policy and in that policy, they were both called controllers. But at some point, uh, NVSC realised they had no money for this project. And they told ITSS to stop developing the app and to remove any mention of their name from it. But at this point, the app was already on Google Play and the App Store. And around 3,800 people had entered their identity, location and health status into it. So there were some problems with the design of the app and the Lithuanian DPA fined the health ministry 12,000 euros and ITSS 3,000 euros for their part in this data processing operation. The MVSC said it wasn't a controller at all. The ITSS said it was a processor. There was no joint controller agreement and there was no data processing agreement. So we got six questions for the CJEU and I'll summarise them quickly. Can a controller include an entity planning to acquire a data collection tool, in this case the app, even if there's no contract in place? Uh, now I've had to degeneralize this one to make it succinct and apply it to the facts of the case. But basically, the NVSC had a confidentiality agreement in place with the ITSS, even though the NVSC didn't own the app. And the app included links to the NVSC's website. Is that enough to make the NVSC a controller? Question three. Can an entity be a controller even if it hasn't performed any actual data processing operations or even ask someone else to do them on its behalf? Question four. Does processing of personal data include data for IT testing of a mobile application? What about if the data is anonymized or fictitious? Five. Can two entities be joint controllers 
even if there's no formal joint controller agreement in place. And six, is a controller automatically liable for GDPR violations committed by its processor? We all know that that's a yes, uh, spoiler alert. What if the controller didn't even know about the processor's violations? Is the GDPR a strict liability law in that it allows uh, sanctions even when the controller is not at fault? So the answers are, in brief, anyone can be a controller, even if it only plans to acquire a data collection tool, as long as it determines the purposes and means of the processing of personal data. So in this case, the MVSC advising ITSS on how the app should look, what data it should collect, that's enough to assign controllership to the health ministry. Uh, the confidentiality agreement and the references to the MVSC in the app don't in themselves make MVSC a controller, but they might be a factor. It's all about the extent of influence over the processing of personal data. An entity can be a controller even if it doesn't process any personal data directly or ask someone else to do it. The important thing is, again, whether it determines the purposes and means of the processing of personal data. So there's no actual processing in that definition, just the determination of the purposes and the means. The question about testing an app or IT system with personal data, of course, that is processing. I'm not sure why they even asked, uh, but if it's anonymized or fictitious data, synthetic data, you know, good quality synthetic data, that's not processing, of course. It's not in scope of the GDPR. Very obvious question there. And as you probably guessed, two entities can be joint controllers even without a formal joint controller agreement. You don't technically need one of those, uh, nothing too formal. You have to, well, you should be assigning responsibilities and you can be a joint controller by accident, of course. Now, the important finding here, not particularly surprising for me, been interpreted in many different ways by different people, the GDPR is not a strict liability law. You can only get a GDPR fine if you've done something intentional or negligent. It's not like, for example, I'm trying to think of a strict liability law here, some environmental laws, I think maybe some uh, driving offences where there's no defence. You don't have to have a guilty mind. Uh, you just have to do something. And if, as long as you've done it, then you've broken the law. GDPR is not like that. You have to do something intentionally or be negligent. You have to be at fault to get a fine. So next story is about Meta, another court case. This one comes from the Spanish trade group AMI who represent around 83, well, exactly 83 media organisations, and they are seeking 550 million euros in damages through the Spanish courts. Now, the press release has a couple of cringeworthy phrases like citizens must consent to the use of their data for advertising. Uh, but uh, there are some interesting arguments about Meta's excessive, allegedly excessive use of personal data and how that entrenches their allegedly dominant market position. So a lot of people have been banging on about the link between data protection 
and competition law for years. Johnny Ryan of the ICCL and uh, Christine Caffera, an antitrust expert, are two of the loudest advocates of this doctrine. And this case kind of brings that to life. As far as I can see, they makes a very clear link between GDPR violations and competition violations. So it's an interesting case. We'll see how it goes. I don't think there's been a successful class action lawsuit under the GDPR yet. Please correct me in the comments if I'm wrong. Uh, maybe some settlements. Well, in fact, definitely some settlements. I don't think anyone's won at court oh, uh, in terms of a representative class action of data subjects. Could be wrong. Uh, in other news, a senator in the US for Oregon called Ron Wyden, he's often pops up in privacy related stuff, has written to the Attorney General saying that his office received a tip about government agencies in foreign countries demanding smartphone push notification records from Google and Apple. So push notifications obviously are the notifications that an app might give you. Gmail tells you you've got an email or a game tells you you've run out of diamonds or whatever um, and they, they pop up on your screen. You don't really think about them but they are running through Apple and Google servers. So Apple uses, Apple developers have to use their push notification service and on Android, apps generally use the Google Firebase cloud messaging service, part of the Firebase SDK. And Google and Apple store information like which app sent the notification, when the notification was sent, the device to which the notification was sent, and the associated account with that device. So you're probably getting an idea of how this might be useful to intelligence services. They can see if a device is active. They can see what apps someone is using. They can see when they are getting notifications. And in some cases, if the developer doesn't encrypt their push notifications, the, uh, the push notification can send unencrypted content to Apple or Google. So that could be particularly bad if it's a messaging or email app, for example. I imagine most of them are encrypted. I think Apple requires that at least. But some potentially valuable data for governments here. And Ron Wyden says that uh, Apple and Google have been passing this data uh, to governments under legal orders. Apple and Google initially said we can't talk about that because the federal government has told us not to. But once Wyden wrote this letter, uh, Google fessed up, no, Apple said, yes, we are doing this, we can say now, and we're going to put it into our transparency reports because now it's out in the public. So um, Google and Apple like to have this sort of data because it helps them know more about their users, of course. I'm not sure the extent to which they do that, but you can see how it might be useful for advertising purposes and also ad measurement. You can see if you know what, what your push notifications are doing, whether the user is ignoring them or clicking on them, then you have some indication of how good those notifications are at getting your user's attention. So this is just another way that governments can get some information about people that they've got their eye on 
sometimes for legitimate reasons, in some cases I would imagine for illegitimate reasons. So that's all from me this week. Thanks so much for your time and attention and uh, if you've got to the end do let me know in the comments. The LinkedIn always shows me that lots of people do finish the videos which is great. Uh, so let me know if that includes you. And thanks to Provado AI as always. I'll see you next week.